If you are an HR professional, business owner, or at the operations level trying to understand what people want, you may be struggling. Our systems have been shocked, practices have been questioned, and culture is the leading conversation. Let's learn how culture is created, sustained, and why it should be the leading conversation when discussing hiring, training, and retention. This is the foundation of any business, and it's time to address it. So tune in to Let's Talk HR, humanizing the conversation. We tackle topics that influencers of change need to understand and struggle to overcome every day, such as where to start and what the new workforce wants and how to attract and keep positive momentum going. I'm your host, Leanne Lovely. I'm very excited to talk with my guest today, Jamie White. Jamie White is a life and business coach with over 20 years of small business and real estate development experience. Feeling a call to the coaching industry, Jamie is now focusing all of her energy into developing a faith-based coaching business that focuses on helping people become the best version of themselves. Believe Crew is a group of coaches learning together and helping others develop and grow personally. Believe Crew is for coaches that don't want to do the business part of coaching alone. Jamie has walked the walk of exhaustion, juggled the challenges of leading multiple businesses while raising their six sons, and the potential of a divorce of an almost 20-year marriage to a former addict. Today, she's on the other side of that with lots of energy, excited about the next 40 years with her husband and their boys while leading their combined personal development and coaching businesses. So much can change when we change our beliefs and start to invest in ourselves. Welcome, Jamie. I am so excited to talk with you. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk with your husband in my previous season. So this is a treat. I, um, I'm very excited to have you on and, and talk with me. So welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So why don't you, you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Leanne. This is something that I'm getting used to talking about. And so, um, you know, when you have so much experience in life and it's sort of like what defines you, what defines a person. And when you're starting a new business and you're trying to figure that out. So, um, but it's the 22 years of business experience that really keeps coming back as like, oh my word, I've been through that. Like, you don't have to explain it to me. I've been there. And, um, but I, I, but I absolutely love business and real estate development. And so now I'm going into the coaching lane, which is something that I started to have a passion for a couple of years ago, as I started developing personally, then I realized that there was an issue in the coaching industry where there just wasn't a lot of support for the business side of coaching. So now I'm coming in, combining my interest in business with coaching and hoping to help other coaches. That is awesome. And you're right. There's, um, in the, in the, for businesses versus individuals, um, there's, there's kind of a, a lack there, isn't there? Because, you know, if I want to go out and get somebody to work with me on an individual basis, there's a lot of, there's, there's some availability there, but for a whole company or for, you know, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. What you just said. Yeah. So what I'm actually looking to do is bring together coaches that are interested in doing personal development mm -hmm. 
into a, a larger group so that we can share resources and recommend each other and everybody can have their specialty, but it's still a part of one community. Okay. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you are, like you mentioned, you're, you're interested in businesses or business, but you are a business owner and a successful one at that. You've, you've owned a, a couple. Is that, is that correct? My husband and I have owned some rentals and some real estate, and we actually have an escape room. And so we do have some businesses, but mostly what I was doing in the past was running other family businesses. And so I'm completely disconnected from that now and just really, really free to just go straight into the coaching lane. Okay. So before we jump past that, so explain, so you've, you've run businesses, you're disconnected from that. Walk me along that journey a little bit. How, how did that all come about? <laughs> well, <clears throat> when you grow up in family business, you just sort of, I mean, I, I started snow plowing, you know, before I had a license, he dropped me off in the Kmart parking lot, you know? <laughs> and so just, you just born with it. It's in your blood. And then as you go through, um, I don't know if anybody else has this experience, but I have a dad that's a serial entrepreneur. And so there's always the next new business that he's interested in starting. And so when I was 18, um, he asked if I wanted to start my own furniture store. And I thought no. And I said, yes. And I had no interest in design. I had no interest in furniture, but I had an interest in business. And so I thought that that would overcome all the other issues. (laughs) So so just, you know, all the um, different experiences that you can have along the way. And then when my mom died, a couple of years later, he asked if I would come in and help with the other businesses that he already had running. And that's when I found my passion and my lane because I could actually scale something. The other one was more of like this design story. It's a long story. <laughs> it's a long story. And I think you had said that um, you're, you know, like this season, you're one of the questions that you were planning on asking is like, what age would you start at? Right. And yeah. so it's just like, oh my word, all the thoughts come into my, my brain about like all the different things that happen along the way of, um, life. (laughs) So when when you ask about running businesses and, um, tell me about that story and dig a little deeper, you know, really what's, um, the healthy and the healing part of where I'm at now is I'm so thankful that I had an opportunity to run multiple six and seven figure businesses at the same time. And I loved what I was doing and the team I was building, But at the end of the day, the owner, which is also my dad, was not interested in the same things that I saw. And so it was time for one of us to go. And that person ended up being me. And and the other way to look at that, my team that I had built up said, it's time for you to go and do coaching. So there's two ways to look at the same situation. Mm -hmm. You know, the one is like, Oh, ouch, that hurts. And the other one is like, wow, that's awesome. You know, that, that I was in a position where we had built up leadership and we had built up so many good things that they were like, you go, you know, you empowered us and now it's your turn. Wow. So you went in and how, how many businesses at that time were you actively assisting in in running? Um, you know, there's multiple LLCs, you know how it is when you start a business or maybe, I guess I shouldn't assume that everyone knows, but somebody's like, oh, I want to start a business. And they're like, 
somebody says, I want to start a business and they're like, um, do I need to start an LLC? And the answer is technically no, but it seems like we all think we have to go run and get an LLC. So there were like 10 LLCs, but technically, you know, there were probably five or six that were really, um, and they were in different industries. It was retail and storage and uh, rental properties. And then he had bought a dumpster company just before I came on board and they were managing the dumpster company from a whiteboard. And so when you would erase where the dumpster had been, then, um, you, you would have no to records, no records. Right. And oh God. <laughs> so that was like my first project where that the group was like the office manager at the time we thought differently. And, you know, we didn't know that quite at the time. Like dad said, Hey, can you come in and help me? And so I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then they're like, Hey, we've got this problem, like problem. <laughs> No, you've got so. bigger, you've got to get more than a problem. Yeah. Okay. So there was just a couple, but. And how old were you at this time? You know what? I think I had just hit 30 and I, the year b- before I had been asked to come into his office was like my best year, you know, physically I was in really good shape and I was tan. I'd taken a lot of days off. Mm-hmm. And then he asked and I was like, no, like a couple of times. And then he just asked enough. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, it's like that moment, like, okay, fine. If you need me, I'm here, you know? Right. And, um, and it was such a mess. Like, I'm not just, let's be real. Um, it was a mess. There were, 10 companies, the books were not in order. And the person that the way it was being run, there was no leadership. You know, my dad was a serial entrepreneur and he just kept saying, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's just an office. Like there wasn't a lot of respect for the people in the office. And there wasn't a lot of an understanding of what, um, new things could be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would come in and he would say, can we do the card file system? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, my mom. And he's like, your mom used to run this on index cards. And I'm like, have you heard of the computer? (laughs) (laughs) What year are we living in? (laughs) This was not, it was 2011, you know, I was like, oh my word. And then, you know, when I tried to change the phone system, it was like, well, we could just put four phones on the desks. Like, I don't understand why you're making this so difficult. And I'm like, I need a phone system that can take multiple calls coming in from multiple companies. And so I found that stuff so fascinating and I loved it. We were definitely bucking heads all the way along, but at the time he, he had other things that he was interested in pursuing. And so it wasn't a focus. And then, um, you know, eventually it was right. <laughs> like, oh, hey, I think I can do this now. You know, and that's it. It's interesting because there are there are people out there, businesses out there that are very progressive in nature. Mm-hmm. And then there are businesses that you walk into and you're like, whoa, I, I think I just stepped back into the mm-hmm. 80s. Yeah. In it, certain industries, you can get away with it. Not really anymore. <laughs> Well, there is, there is still a local industry that she has like carbon copies that she mails her invoices out on. So I'm going to say that in, because in the, in the hands-on work, like in our area, it's a, um, like an excavation business or like a sand hauling business or something like that. Like there's just not enough people out there competing. And so then technically they can still get away with it. But they're not growing. 
they're, they're, they're not adding people. They're not growing. There's Correct. no way you could grow in that environment. Right. No, if you're small enough, but even, I mean, so I, I originally went to school for computer programming and during the time that I was in school, um, I ha- was approached by, um, somebody who was, uh, in the trade. Well, yeah, I was supposed to be in the tra- independent contractor. He was, yeah. um, a fire inspector for the city contracted out by the city. The city wasn't able to, uh, to handle the workload. So they contracted him out. Um, they approached me and said, Hey, you're, you're in school for computer programming. Do you think you could build us a database? And I'm like, do you really need a database for the amount of customers you had? And then I saw the stacks of paperwork. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm not just stacks upon stacks upon stacks and boxes of boxes. And I went, Oh yeah. Have to find a way to be able to track and document where you've been, where you're going. And, and in today's world, even if it's a hundred, even if it's two hundred, mm-hmm. even if it's fifty, isn't it that much easier if you're able to just sit down? But there are a lot of old school mentality. Now I was in school. This was what it, this would have been like the early two thousands when I was, you know, pursuing my computer programming degree, which I almost, you know, I was a class short of my, my degree, and then I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Switch to another degree and pursued that for another couple of years to eventually, you know, settling on my, my bachelor's in, in business and emphasis in, in uh, HR. So what I did help me pay for some of my classes was I, I designed a database for them. Very simple, but I mean, you can use very yeah. simple debt just to enter in the yeah. basic customer information to make it searchable. Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine looking at Rolodex yeah. and calling your, but this is, of course, the way that it was done. But even even just that one, he was one man, and that's how he tracked all of his customers. Yeah. And it had renewal dates and everything else. So it is, a, even for a small shop like that, I don't think it's feasible anymore for most companies to be able to. You and I would agree. Right. Right. Uh, but but I didn't own the business. You didn't own the business. I suppose that it had to be even more difficult coming from the fact that you're one, a coach, two, you're the daughter. Yeah, there there were layers to work through it. But you know, I had done a lot of hiring and firing over the years, and I definitely took something huge away because I'd been there 22 years. Technically, if you took, you know, the the furniture store experience and then tied it in with all the other companies. And when I was doing the furniture store, again, that one was owned by him, but it was also, um, they had no experience in retail. So that's how I ended up feeling like the owner the whole time. (laughs) But, um, at the end, I was just told, we don't need you anymore. And I understand personalities. And so when I look back, you know, I have a really high D in the disc personality. And so I don't want to be considered obsolete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my immediate reaction to that is not very good, but what I realized is that what I was missing was the thank you. And so if I'm in a position, I expect to be in a position again in the future to disconnect, you know, from people and maybe not specifically firing, you know, maybe it's just letting contractors go or something like that. And I just want to be in a position now to be able to say, thank you for the service for when you were with us. And it, and it did make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a point where it's no longer the right fit. And I'm, I'm, I was no longer the right fit and just hearing thank you for 22 years before being kicked out 
out of the door would have right. felt a little differently. So how is your relationship with your dad now? We're not talking. Does that tell you anything? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <clears throat> I think, you know, I come from a family where you can beat each other up and then you, you know, get together again the next day and it's totally fine. And so right now I'm realizing that that was actually happening a lot. And I'd like to actually take a step back and say, you know, I don't actually need to get thrown under the bus that much. And, and just, I'm taking some space. I think that it'll be good in the future if, you know, there is a point where we are talking again, but right now it's, it's really good to have space. Right. I have to admit, I know a little bit about you because I, well, you and I have not sat down and really had an in-depth conversation. I have had multiple conversations with people in your circle. Yes. One being another Jamie White, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. <laughs> and um, I have to compliment you before I, you know, really dive into the coaching side here because she um, was actually, um, I, I interviewed her, her for season one of my podcast and and anybody who listened, um, you know, to her, you, you fired her and said, it, right, you, you did, you, you fired did. and basically gave her an ultimatum. You can, you can leave here or um, actually, no, I think it was, I'm firing you from, from being my, my caregiver for my children. You can either be my housekeeper or be a manager at, is this the retail store? It's antique. It's like an antique mall. So antique okay. Antique, yeah. and she now speaks so unbelievably highly of you because you've given her an opportunity that she seemingly is thriving at. Yeah, yeah, and, and that took me a long time to get to that point to be able to have that conversation like that. You know, it's not something that was natural. It was something that through coaching I learned that giving people an opportunity and letting them choose, but being clear about it. Like when it's no longer the right fit, you know, thank you for the time that you've been here, but now it's time for something or maybe, and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and here's a new opportunity. How would you like, and, and one of my gifts, and this is what makes it so hard for me with the position that I was in and how it all went down is I love um, to study the strengths finder. And one of my gifts is maximizer. That's my top one, which means I believe in people's potential. Mm -hmm. And then the other gift is individualization, which means that I can see people's gifts and strengths and how they work well together with others. And so I asked my dad, I said, you know, <clears throat> if you were given all of this money today, would you buy the same businesses that you currently have? And he said, no, I would buy a ranch. And I said, then go, go buy the ranch. Like I'm completely supportive of whatever people want to do for their dreams. But mm -hmm. what I wasn't doing was taking care of what my calling was and what my dream was. And so my kids were starting to see that. And they were saying, Hey mom, you're busy coaching all of us and telling us what, you know, <clears throat> what we should do or when we're not staying true to our core values. And they're like, but you're still staying somewhere that you know, isn't true to your coaching. And I was like, oh man, when your kids wake you up and kind of smack you in the face. Right. You mentioned your kids. Mm -hmm. You're a mother of six. And I yeah. have to say that's insane, but you have a range, uh, a range age where your children and some of them are, are much older and they're getting to an age where they're able to call you out on that because now they're able to recognize that in you, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, we have three older ones and then three younger ones. And the three older ones were No Mercy, which, you know, I haven't been super. <laughs> I definitely let them know, you know, along the way. I, I said the other day something that came out and it's probably more true than I'd like to admit. Uh, I said something like I breed entrepreneurs, so they're probably going to need therapy if they decide not to become entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and so I've just been so you know, they've been my guinea pigs and practicing coaching along the way. And they were picking it up and they picked it up really fast. Like right. they, they can see when somebody is not being true anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It's awesome that you have taught them that skill. But at the same time, like you said, kind of a slap in the face that now they're saying, Hey mom, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh man, it doesn't matter what I say anymore. You know, it's like, it's like living with coaches around here. You know, all of us are like, uh, did you hear what you just said? Right. <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> that might be a belief. That might be a belief that you need to take care of. Okay. Thank yep. you. I'll go work on that. <clears throat> yep. That, that would be like, um, my live that's every time I'm around my dad, my dad will look at me and go, are you venting or do you want me to give you advice on this? <laughs> like, oh. right. right. I'm just mm -hmm. venting. And he's like, good, because you should not say that to anybody else. <laughs> okay. Thanks, dad. Thanks. I, I'm aware of this. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, we all grow up in, in different, but that's, that's awesome. So mother of six. So t what are the age, age, the true age range here? From two to 20. So our oldest is starting his own business as a um, machinist. And so he has a little teeny tiny workshop that he pays rent at okay. with a, a large machine. Like it takes a crane to get it in. So it's one of those CNC. Oh, CNC machine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very lucrative business. That's you. you know, that's awesome. Honing in yeah. on, a, on a skill. Yeah. That's and great. the thing is that he loves learning and education. And so um, he's, I think being an entrepreneur is perfect because you're constantly learning. Yep. So hopefully he's, um, challenged, but yeah. So from two to 20, there's six boys. And on Fridays, we take them to a gymnast, Cody Russell up in our area. He traveled the world touring as a, you know, like in one of those Cirque de Soleil type. And so I found something that the boys can all do together. And so he private coaches them on trampoline flipping. So I love to just see if I can get them to do stuff together. Right. Well, that's fun. And they all, all of them, all age ranges, they're all mm -hmm. fun. And oh, that's cool. That's yeah. Awesome. So they all go out on the trampoline the rest of the week and practice their flips. <laughs> that's fun. And, that, and that's got to be difficult though, to find something from ah. two to 20 that they'll all enjoy doing together. A bigger challenge than, you know, it was, it was easy. The first three, you know, when they're all kind of boom, boom, boom. Right. And then when you have space, you're like, oh, okay, we're doing stuff together. And I love to plan trips and I love to plan trips with everybody and engage everybody. And then when you have the next set of kids and they're not the same age, it just slows the whole train down. And you're like, wait, now what are we going to do together? So it does takes an extra level. So what's the gap? Um, let's see. Um, there's an eight-year-old and then a 15-year-old. So it's a seven-year gap. So it took a while for me to be willing for more. Wow. I, I, um, I'm just going to put that out on the record that I have a four-year-old and I'll never have another one. Oh. <laughs> there's still time. No, I, I'm 41. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not having any more children and 
just taking care of one child. Um, mm. For anybody who's considering having children, um, one is a lot. One is a lot. It, it's you've got a you've got a woman with six children, and you've got a woman with one child. I will tell you um, if you want to message us, you know, after you listen to this, um, I will tell you all the horrors of having just one child. And I'm sure that Jamie will tell you all the horrors of having six. And uh, if you want to be talked out of having children, <laughs> I, will, I will surely be able to do that for you. Yes. One is one is a lot. Yet I love I would never, ever not want to have her because she mm-hmm. is the most pure, perfect yeah. thing in my life. Yeah, there yeah. is. Um, there's nothing more pure and um, she could probably um, she, she could do the worst thing in the world. She could. Yeah. And their I, energy, their energy is amazing. Like that. You just want to snuggle, you know, where it's like, how can I just soak up just a little bit of this energy in this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And at 41, she wants to play in the mommy. Come sit on the floor with me. And I'm like, can we sit on the couch? Cause mommy might not be able to get off the floor. Now you, um, I, I've obviously spoken with your husband. Um, Kevin White has also been, I, I, like I said, I, you and I have never actually sat down and really, <laughs> really gotten, you know, a great, com- well, we've, we've talked before, obviously, but I've spoken with a lot of people in your circle Yeah. and you've gone through a lot with, you know, your husband mm-hmm. and you've come out the other side and your family mm-hmm. seems to be whole and doing well. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I, um, first was married, Kevin and I were married at 20. And even when we were dating, he had told me that he had had an addiction to porn and I didn't understand what that meant. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, then later when it showed up in the marriage again, and he was, he was honest about it most of the time. And I got to the point where I had really good intuition and I could tell. And, um, so I would call him out on it and it was always better to talk about it versus leaving it hidden or pretending it didn't exist because the energy is just so different. When someone is an addict and they're hiding it, the energy of shame and guilt is, is, you know, under whatever is going on at the time. And so there were times my mom, um, so my mom, had cancer. She was diagnosed at a young age. And so Kevin and I are early. I think we got married right after she was diagnosed. And then we had our first child within that first year. So, um, I was 21. My mom is sick with cancer. I have a little one. And those first couple of years were crazy hard, crazy hard. Like where you just wonder, I mean, then I had the second one and, um, they both had whooping cough at the same time. And so now my mom has cancer. She's out, um, going around the country trying to get treatment. And then my younger brother and sister were home. So we were staying with them. So we were, you know, parenting teenagers while having two little ones with whooping cough. And that was when I hit my, hit my max capacity. And I, I called Kevin at, I called Kevin at work and I said, I need help. And I grew up in a business. So the customer always comes first. And so when Kevin said, I can't come, I questioned it because I knew he wasn't running a business. I knew he was in management. 
Mm-hmm. But I also just at this point kind of questioned the decision of like, really, how could that be more important? And I think, you know, his response was like, well, I'm sure you have some help, you know, you'll be fine. I, you know, and like that position of leadership, but I didn't understand the addict mindset that he just didn't really have the emotional capacity to understand what I was actually in the middle of. And I, to be fair, didn't say the house is on fire. You know, I wasn't super clear that this is like, like, this is a big deal right now. This is mental breakdown moment. Mm -hmm. And, um, so then, you know, just going through that stage of life where there's just a lot going on and you're slogging through and you're not sure what you're doing right and what you're not. Mm -hmm. And, um, my, we would go visit my mom on weekends to try and help her out because she was getting so frail and, you know, she's in a walker at 44, but like her bones were breaking and brittle. And, um, and so it would be, you know, one, one of the stories is one of my kids birthday. Um, and Kevin is hiding, you know, like a lot of our marriage, he was like hiding, you know, and just like that low energy that comes from addicts. And again, I didn't know, I didn't totally know that that's why we were having these struggles. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, looking back, I, I was the enabler. I was the, you know, we're going to make it work. We're going to figure this out. I'm a problem solver. We're going to, you know, and so we had three kids and, uh, my mom had just died. My sister had just died. His mom was now sick and dying. Um, and so they, you know, our moms died early on and, um, there was just so much going on that you just do life. You don't just over, you don't (laughs) like we're running, um, business. You've got your job, you know, I'm going this way, you're going that way. And you just keep kind of doing life. And then I think I had mentioned early in the podcast here that, you know, when I was about 30, I was feeling great and physically feeling great. And I just, you know, been really taking care of myself. But then within a couple of years, I hit a low point and I just didn't even know that, you know, for years I wondered like, how did my mom get cancer? And how could you know, like, would you know that it was coming? And, um, and then I had this thought when I was in my early thirties, like, you know, actually it'd be kind of peaceful to die. And I realized that if I kept having thoughts like that, I could see how your body could be cancerous, like how you could be in a not good state. Mm -hmm. If I continue to have these kinds of thoughts, what am I going to look like five years from now? Right. And so I, um, remembered, I thought, you know, usually we, we say, well, I don't have the time or I don't have the money. Mm -hmm. And my mom had spent a ton of money trying to get help and a ton of time trying to get help once she was in a really bad state. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to wait that long. I'm going to give myself permission today. And I told my boss, AKA my dad. And I told my husband and I said, I'm going to go get myself some help. Like, I don't know what this means right now, but I'm basically telling you I'm spending money and I'm taking time. I don't know. what. (laughs) And I think that was the moment that I started taking care of myself and I didn't realize how important that was before that. You know what? I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you, but Mm -hmm. I think that 
the majority of us don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And you're, you, the fact that you were so self-aware and the mm-hmm. fact that you were strong enough to tell your loved ones that, hey, I need to take a beat. I need to take care of myself. We all forget, you know, the, the old saying of if you're on an airplane, your masks drop. Put your mask on first. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, it is 100% true. But so it often, and, and I see this a lot in women, a lot in women. It's it's mm-hmm. it's also in men. Yeah. And it's becoming just as equal. But women, predominantly, the, the responsibility of children and the responsibility of a lot of the house duties have always fallen on them. Yeah. And you have that, the idea that the housework and keeping everything always pieced together and held together falls yeah. on so women just And we're think, really we're really good at it. Yes. And so we just assume that well if I just continue to just squeeze and keep everything in place and just hold it together mm-hmm. I will be fine. I will be fine. But eventually you realize that I'm not fine. And yeah. the more and the harder I squeeze to try to keep this together the more life I'm squeezing out of myself and possibly everybody else around me. So yeah. having that self-awareness and, and again, I'm not just saying it's in women. I, there are plenty of men out there who, who need to also be aware and, and self-aware that you know, they have to too. It's just that men for so long have, have not been willing to ask for help or feel that there is shame in asking for help. And not one person in this world has accomplished anything hundred percent on their own, unless of course they're climbing or scaling a mountain on their own. Right. Right. You know, but the majority of us, the things that we accomplish in business, in life, there's usually somebody there backing us up or helping us or training us or teaching us or helping rise, you know, helping us rise. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if I wouldn't have seen my mom, then I don't know if I would have connected the dots. You know, I am definitely someone that thinks about things. I'm you know, can be in the overthinking category, but seeing it and and living through it with her and just wondering what, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. Because technically the life looked perfect on the outside. I mean, she was absolutely beautiful. She ate all the right things. She exercised, you know, millionaire, like technically very successful looking. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know there was a problem behind the scenes with, you know, emotional pain that, you know, she was working. I mean, I knew later, so I was aware, I was aware. And I, there were a lot of things that I had learned through her journey. And that's what, um, keyed me, you know, where I was like, wait, (laughs) it's not going to be any better. If I just keep letting this go, something's going to have to stop. And you're right that it can be men and women. And I think at its core, I really feel for anybody that says I'm exhausted. And when you can't sleep away the exhaustion, because Mm -hmm. that's probably one of the first signs that you're heading for burnout. And so it happens to to both sides. And I really have a passion and a heart for people that are in that space of burnout and just being like, I can't figure this out. I can't figure out why I can't sleep this off. I'm just, and you know, that's when I realized that I wasn't being true to my core values. There were, there were beliefs in conflict. There was another level that I didn't know existed. And that's, you know, that was the start of the coaching journey for me because I didn't know that there was like this whole nother level of thinking. Mm -hmm. I was just doing life. You know, when that question that 
you know, what, what's the question? What age? So you want the question of the season? I do. Okay. I do. Well, let's do this. Yeah. The question of the season. If you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice, when would you go back and what advice would you give yourself? Yeah. So there's a song, Dear Younger Me. And I think about that often. And, um, you know, you go back. Okay. For me, I go back to 18 because up until 18, everything was almost magical. Like I lived in a bubble. It was great. And all of a sudden, um, the bubble popped (laughs) and, you know, so in some ways, you know, you could say there's pros and cons to having a bubble, but it goes back to this idea. I think we're all meant to grow. I know we're all meant to grow. It's a basic human need. Mm -hmm. And there's something that happens when you're at that, you know, 17, 18 age frame where people are like, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? And, you know, you don't know, you can't figure it out, but you're like, man, I got to figure this out. I don't know. What am I doing next? And you're just trying to figure out how do I get my life together? Like I'm moving and I'm transitioning. And, but there's just this really high awareness about the transition. You know, people are talking about it all the time. Well, technically there are a ton of life transitions Mm -hmm. and we just don't talk about them at the same level. And we just stop asking the question, what are you doing next? What are you excited about? You know, like how many people do you meet? And you're like talking to them and you're like, what are you learning now? Are you going to school? Are you doing this? And people just don't ask the questions in the same way that they do when you're in that, you know, high school years of like, or early teen or late teen, you know, early twenties of like where everyone's excited they know that you're going to be doing this transition and there's just a lot of conversation around it. And maybe different people had a different experience. But for me, when I look back, I feel like there was just this idea that you're launching into something different around that time frame. And then what? So what advice would you give that 18 year old girl? That this is just one of many transitions. Like, how do we navigate life successfully? We already have it inside of us and trust your gut and intuition and don't feel like you're making this, you know, lifetime decision that, and really, you know, I think for me, and maybe this isn't for everybody, but for me, I don't think that I felt like there was going to be somebody else with me on the journey after you leave school, you know, like in, in your high school years, you have your parents, you have your teachers, you just have different mentors and coaches along the way. And then it's sort of like, okay, I didn't, I didn't have this idea that there would be somebody else that would mentor me besides my parents or besides, you know, if you go to school or something like that. And so today I just feel like there are meant to be so many mentors in our lives and, and and statistically speaking, when it comes to that age of, of individual, you know, I think that a lot of people, again, an 18-year-old, they're graduating high school, they're moving on to college or some, and and I'm not a Mm -hmm. college pusher at all, some moving into a trade school or or getting an opportunity to actually work in the trades or like your son opening up a a business, you know, CNC machine. And you're right. There's going to be so many transitions. Oh my gosh. If I talked about all the transitions that I had in my life, we would never stop talking. Right. Right. But statistically speaking the thing that somebody goes to school for 
is unless they're going to school to be a doctor, unless they're going to school to be an accountant, something that you actually have to have a specific degree in, usually doesn't end up what they become. Leanne, you, um, I, you, we might be on here for another hour if we get started on this subject because <laughs> I, I am the type of person that would say, okay, you want to be a teacher? Let's find a different way besides the traditional system. Like I go online and I Google how to become a teacher from, and I go to the Wisconsin Department of, you know, whatever I need to find. To, and and there are a lot of alternative ways to get to even those things that you think you need to have a traditional degree for. I am so anti-system and pro-education. That's my lane. Okay, wait a second. Anti-system, pro-education. Well, pro-learning. Yes, pro-learning. Okay, mm -hmm. I am, absolutely. I am anti-give your money away to the government mm -hmm. for you to walk away in debt to start your yep. life out. Yep. I Seriously, you want me to give you $80,000 for a piece of paper that says that I have a degree in XYZ that I'm never probably going to end up doing unless I'm a doctor that's going to, uh, sorry, if you're yeah. going to, if you're going to do surgery on me, you better have, a, you better have a degree, <laughs> some experience <laughs> yeah. on someone else. <laughs> right. And I, uh, you know, it, I, you know, if you're going to do my accounting, I would really prefer mm -hmm. that you've had some, you know, schooling on, on the laws and accounting. You know how many people I come across who are like, oh, I went to school for blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so what do you do for a living? And they're like, oh, I do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that has yeah. absolutely nothing to do with what you went to school with. I would love for school to become all tech schools. Hey, yeah. let me go to school two years, get the hands-on experience that I need and walk away with that and then have more large organizations, very large companies say, we will take on these individuals and get, hey, the government gives them a little bit of money to, to actually bring them mm. on and give them real world experience. And now speaking from a recruiter, I would speaking from somebody and, and you're right. We could talk for that. Go give a company money, go give yeah. a company 40,000 yeah. a year or 50,000 a year to take on three students and train them on how to do, you know, office accounting work, how to do billing, how to do payroll, how to do machine work, whatever it might be. Instead yeah. of having them go into debt mm. to become, we, we did this in the trades for years. We had all of these, you know, apprenticeships and all of this other yeah. stuff that what went away and now you have to go to school and pay to become it. Mm. Why? So I, <laughs> you, I love that you opened this door because <laughs> this is, this is a door that I, you know, try and keep closed. And I use the word try loosely. <laughs> so what you said about trade schools. So I used to totally be in agreement with you about trade schools. And then recently I found out that they're doing a class that is a needed class that I needed to hire people that knew how to use Microsoft office word, OneNote, Excel. Like I want people coming into the office, knowing how to use this product. The class is so bad. It's, it's actually so bad. I'm not sure the statistics are a bad thing. The class is so bad that I don't want to hire anyone that has passed it. I would actually prefer to hire the people that have failed it or have chosen to withdraw because it doesn't even allow you to think like I need people coming in that want to work for me, that want to think, that want to grow, that want to be given opportunities because with technology, the way that it is today, 
what I'm seeing as way more important is that companies that have these new technology, they're creating their own certifications and kids can go online and say, Hey, I want to learn how to do HubSpot, you know, or something and become certified in Salesforce or something like you're way more uh, ready for the workforce. If you go get a certification from a company that is a soft, that's providing a solution to businesses mm-hmm. than going into the school systems. And I was under the misunderstanding that academia or college was to prepare you for the workforce. Yeah. And some people have been saying, well, no, it wasn't even, that wasn't even the point. I'm like, well, okay, good to know, because that was not taught to no. me. No. And they teach you and they teach you in college. um, And this is a battle that recruiters fight a lot. Mm -hmm. They teach you in school that when you graduate, you should be making a minimum of (laughs) 60,000. Kevin told me that line when we were, when we were dating and then he, thankfully I only planned for half of that. Right. And I, and, and I'll talk to some of these college students and I'll go, wait, I'm sorry. Why do you think that you should be making this much with no experience Mm -hmm. and only an education? And they're like, well, because that's what our professors told us when we graduate. And I'm like, Mm. okay, well, good luck with that. Oh, Leanne, I did not think about how recruiters are dealing with, because that was the issue for me in hiring and firing. Like the position I was in, I actually found that the best thing that I could do to get the workforce to be in a good place was to hire the higher, the education, the more it gave confidence to the people that were underqualified, under certified, you could say like people coming in with no experience and no education were nervous when they're starting. Mm -hmm but they had a desire to learn and a desire to do the job. They worked and so harder. Then, oh yeah. And so, and they, and they looked for ways to solve the problems. They didn't just expect the problem to be solved. And so then I would hire the four-year or, you know, college degree students. And it ended up being that that was the confidence builder because when the other people were like, wait, I'm training you on this. You don't know. Well then never mind. Like I got this. And it just, it, it was the best cheapest way to build confidence uh, in the team. And it was like an internship, you know, you have an internship for a little bit, but if schools, if anyone is willing to help these students, it's building the soft skills. And we know this, we say this all the time, but it doesn't seem to matter. They're not interested. I called the college and I said, look, I actually need you to teach this product, this Microsoft office product. I got nowhere. I talked to the Dean of the college. I got nowhere. And I was told that it is a required course by the state. And I am telling you, it is so bad that I will hire the people that withdraw from the course. Right. No. And I, and I want, I don't want my audience, my audience (laughs) to think that I am anti-school. I am not anti-education. I am not anti-learning. I'm not. Neither. There are some individuals that need to, that need to experience college in order to, to get a, true understanding of of the world they need to get out there they need to experience college it is a good experience for them but there are some individuals that that need a different experience and that's a a true work experience that that's a true and there are certain disciplines engineers accounting obviously doctors there are certain areas that you do need to go to a four-year college Going to a four-year college and getting a, a bachelor's degree in economics, wh- what for? Be- mm-hmm. So that you can say that you have a degree, a bachelor's degree. I struggle with that. I struggle with, with people who say, well, my child is going to get a degree. Yeah. For, for what? 
so that you they can waste your money or their money there's, or be in debt. There's a um, lot of degree guilt, a the, lot of degree guilt. They stay in an industry that's not even their, it's not their gift and strength because yes. somebody else told them to go for it. Right. I, it, and, yeah. and I truly believe that some of these individuals, they go and they hide at school and they stay there as long as they can because they are afraid that they yeah. don't know what they want to do. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and then they come and talk to me and go, well, I, you know, I was in school, but I don't really know what I want to do. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, what did you go to school for? Well, I just went, I just went and got my general, you know, economics degree. And I'm like, okay, do you have any areas of interest? Not really. Just I'll take anything. And I'm like, well, I can't yeah. help. I can't help. You. Oh, Leanne, I love that. So I used to have a booth at the job fair mm -hmm. and, um, you know, so I would ask, you know, what are you here for thinking, you know, maybe they had an idea of what right. they were looking for. And the, the response more than not, often than not was a job. Right. And I said, could you pick the other booth? <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's so if, if that's what we're kicking out, then maybe mm -hmm. there needs to be a, let's learn about all of the different types of industries out there. Let's learn about what, what an engineer does. What does a mechanical engineer do? What does an electrical engineer do? What is, you know, based on somebody's skill match, what does mm -hmm. a computer programmer do? What is a, you know, aeronautics engineer? What, and I'm listing off all these engineers. <laughs> you know, what is, what does an accountant do? You know, based yeah. on personality types. I mean, maybe before they go to school, they should take yeah. a personality assessment. Absolutely. Which, <laughs> which is obviously going to change the more they yeah. get exposed yeah. to the world, the more they come out of their shell there. But so our kids all know we have one really high D in the disc and he's got learner as his number one strength. And then the next kid knows that he's totally different. And that really helps their communication to understand, like, just because this is what drives you, this is not what drives your brother. And so the first one is a machinist, you know, super high precision oriented and driven results. And the next one is totally into the next movie that's going to be released and looking at, you know, becoming an influencer on TikTok. and who knows he is going to have a digital PhD by the time he's done doing all his research. Mm -hmm. And the, the next one is doing construction, but wants to write a book. Like we totally embrace that you get to like really dig into you and not be shamed for not, you know, being a good speller or loving math or whatever, because I saw, um, that, you know, as an A student, I needed to work for the other people because I was still looking for the A mm -hmm. versus the people that weren't getting the A. And they're like, Hey, I'm just going to figure this out on my own. I was like, actually, that's actually maybe a better idea, right. but you know, when you go back to the idea about debt, I don't know, this is kind of a foreign concept for me, but maybe, uh, let me see. It's not really a foreign concept. It makes so much sense to me, but maybe it's a foreign concept. So I'm encouraging my children to be entrepreneurs and to go into a field and then be able to write that field off when you go to get some education around it. So I'm wondering, like, instead of going into debt about college, if we can look at it as a business write-off. <laughs> hey, if I could write off my college expense right now, I would be like jumping for joy because I graduated with my, my bachelor's degree finally in 2008. Now, remember well, I, I started, you know, or, so I, I was in the military. I came back, well, couldn't figure out what do I want to go to school for? It was recommended to me that I go to school for computer programming because I am a high, extremely um, 
high in math skills. Yeah. Like you're, you're off the charts. You're extremely great with math. So you should go in for accounting. Well, unfortunately, accounting didn't work for me. I have a disorder called mixed dominance disorder. It's a form of dyslexia. So, yeah, that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> when you transpose right. numbers and, you know, transpo- I, I write letters backwards. I write, you know, right. it, obviously accounting is not going to work when you're flipping numbers around. So computer programming, I'm like, okay, great. I liked it, enjoyed doing it, liked being able to, you know, write code, write little databases here and there, blah, blah, blah. But realized, yeah, I don't really want to do this because I love people. Right. And this right. Just is not a match. Yep. I'm not going to sit behind a desk all day long and write code. And the yep. only way you're going to grow in that, you know, in that discipline is if you at least do that for a couple of years before you reach any level of being able to communicate with people. So technically what you're saying speaks to the other problem that I see, which is how many of the higher education courses are sales-based, are really people-based. And Mm -hmm. sales is like not talked about at all. People went for interior design and then I would hire interior design students. They had no sales ability. What do you think? You're going to be selling to somebody. Right. But here's the thing is that I went, so I switched my degree to my bachelor's degree. I was able to put all of my gen ed, you know, courses towards my bachelor's degree. They all transferred, graduated in 2008 with a discipline in, in human resource management. I was working in the field. Then the floor dropped out yeah, of the yeah, economy. Yeah. I had to defer my student loans for a Oof. long time because I was making, well, at what, 2008, I was making $55,000 base plus bonus based on, you know, production, blah, blah, blah. Um, after I was able to get back in the market, I couldn't make more than 30000 That could yeah. barely pay my rent. Yeah. So for yep. years, I deferred my student loans. I mm. now still, to this day, owe $10,000 more than what mm. I originally took out to pay for my student loans on my, mm. on my government student loans. Now I've paid my, my private student loans way down really quick. Mm-hmm. But my, my government student loans, I owe $10,000 more than I originally took out still. I'm really glad that you're sharing that because when I've talked to people about that and I'm pretty good at getting deep with people, they struggle to share that because it's so much shame. Because it's embarrassing as all hell. Yeah. That in 2000, since 2008, it is 2022. Yeah. And I am still struggling to pay that down. And I am a successful businesswoman that. Right. I'm not going to say I'm a millionaire. Right. But there, I own my own home. I have two cars. I own a very nice home, but it's, it is going to be. The way the payment plan is set up. It is going to be the last effing thing I pay off. I'm going Mm -hmm. to slow as slow as humanly possible, pay that off and hope that one day the government finally gets on board and says, yeah, we kind of screwed a lot of those people. Let's wipe it away. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. they're never going to wipe away a private student loan. Mm -hmm. The government has the ability to say, we need to forgive some of these, these student loans that have been sitting out there that we tacked on tens of thousands of dollars of interest on top of. It's a, it's a cycle of a problem because when I was at the job fair with a booth to offer people jobs, the, the, my biggest competitor were the other colleges saying, Hey, come over here and you can get a better job. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I don't want people to better themselves. I absolutely agree with education in the form of learning. I'm just saying that in today's society, I believe that there are a lot of options that do not cost as much. Right. 
employers will pay for people to get education when they see someone that wants to hustle. I was at the point where I was offering, you know, $5,000 a year credits to my employees saying, Hey, go get some leadership training, go get some, what do you want to learn? And they were like, we can't even find a course we're interested in because everything we want to learn is actually online. And that's why we switched to leadership. Like there's just, it's just a really interesting market. And that's why, like, even with our kids, we're like, what do you want to learn? What do you want to do? And they're like, well, I can find it all online. <laughs> like, okay. You know, and I have this conversation all the time with my, with my, my dad is my, my mentor, my hero, yeah. my, yeah. um, he, he, businessman, um, for years ran a, you know, had many agents underneath him. He was in the real estate industry. So he was a manager. Oh, yeah. And I talk with him all the time about, you know, higher education and, you know, am I going to push my daughter, my kid? I'm going to mm-hmm. let my daughter choose, make a decision for herself. Now, the nice thing is, is that her grandparents, my husband's parents set up an education fund for her. Right. Well, but even if she has that fund, you're saying at this point, I don't know where the education system is going to go in the next 10 years. I had hope for the tech system. And then when I called, cause I was like, this program is really bad, like really bad. And they're like, it's basically mandatory. And anybody that right. needs to take a course, anybody that wants to have a, a degree pretty much has to take this course. And right. if you would have told me that as a business owner, if you would have said, t- put me in a round table and said, Hey, this is a mandatory course, Microsoft office, word, Excel, one, I would have said, awesome. That's great. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. Hello. Actually look at the course. Oh, wait. They're not training anybody on it. They're training you to memorize. I do not need anyone coming to my office that needs to memorize stuff because I don't have any training program built out at the level that you can memorize it. And even if I did, I probably don't know how to train you on it because what's happening with the generational multi-generational workforce is the technology is changing so fast that what the young kids coming in have the ability to do is learn the new stuff faster than those of us that are there. We don't even know how to use the programs we're using. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not going to change. That is not going away. So I, I, okay. So years ago, Microsoft, I obviously computer programming, yeah. I, I mean, well, we all had to take that. There yeah. was no memorization. We no. I mean, it was, I mean, build your own. And it was Microsoft. Figure it out. It was access at that time. That's yes. The database that I used. Yes. I built a database in access. So there was no yeah. memorization. It was, Hey, here's access. Here's what we're going to learn today. Yeah. And then by the end of that course, you had to go home and create an actual database. I thought when I started the furniture store that I was going to create my database for tracking inventory because I didn't know that software like QuickBooks existed. And so I was so busy trying to create it in Excel and access that, you know, when somebody came to me and they're like, do you want to use QuickBooks? And I was like, what's that? Right. (laughs) So yeah, there's just so much out there that we're not really being made aware of in the school system is where I'm coming from right now. No, I, I higher education is, um, yeah, we, we could talk for the next, but we are at time and, um, we're going to have to wrap things up. So your coaching, um, if somebody you're with believe crew. Yes. Yeah. So somebody wants to get a hold of us. Is that if where you're going? somebody wants to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? Well, thank you, Leanne, for hosting. And thank you for inviting me on. I did not expect it to go in the direction that it did. And I love where it went. I have been looking for a platform to discuss this because I think it's a huge issue. 
And um, if somebody wants to get a hold of me and any coach in personal development, I'm actually looking to bring on more coaches. Uh, and so we've created a company called Believe Crew. So obviously we have a website. You can just Google Believe Crew, Jamie White. Um, if you spelled it my way, I am the other Jamie White, which is J-A-I-M-E. And um, just hilarious that there are two of us that met. But, um, and you can reach out via cell phone. I'm always available too, but in, you know, in this virtual world, it's amazing how everybody's using these calendar links and scheduling and booking and, you know, LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn and website. I, I love this. I love this virtual world and, and our ability to connect. I don't have to know your cell phone number. I can just find you on LinkedIn and send you a message. Yep. Awesome. Jamie, this has been such an amazing conversation. I truly am a better person for meeting you as well as your husband, Kevin. And it has been just, it's, it's been awesome getting to know both of you. And I look forward to future conversations with both of you. Well, I'd come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you, Leanne. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.